morning, church. Are you well this morning? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. You know, it's, it's really so fantastic to hear such testimonies, you know. You know, the reason is because Jesus already paid the price. Tell your neighbor your struggle with sin and Satan is a waste of time. Because Jesus already paid the price. Yes. And it is that victory, it's that victory that we have already received in Christ that we would like to apply. And it is so important that we realize that the part that we have to apply is believing God's word and applying it to ourselves. Amen. So we really want to see, there's so many people, they delay getting baptized. The Bible is full of accounts. You get baptized when you believe, when you repent of your sins, you get baptized. But in Namibia, it's a controversial issue, you know. <laughs> you have to file many applications. But we really want to encourage you, face the music of persecution for the sake of the, the kingdom of God. Amen. Don't be afraid to do what the word of God tells you. Rather stand with God than stand with people. Amen. Jesus said, not everyone that calls me Lord, Lord will enter my kingdom, but those who do the will of the Father. So you have to apply the word of God if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So before we get into the word, I just want to make a special announcement. Two things. On Monday, Monday is our day of prayer and fasting. And this is a real opportunity for us to continue to mature in the things of God. And this is a thing for our church. So if you consider yourself to be part of this church and you have never been to Monday prayer and fasting, then you should ask yourself if you are really a part of this church. <laughs> Amen. Because church is not just about attending the service. It's about being involved with discipleship and part of discipleship is our prayer life and our, our intercession before God. Amen? So I really want to encourage us. I try my best every Monday. I'm there with everything that I'm involved with. Every Monday, I try to be at prayer for an hour, hour and a half, to be there and to sacrifice whatever it is to be there. You know, And it's an arrangement I've got with my wife. She knows she'll pick up the kids and go. But as the head of the home, I am here. And I'm setting a standard in the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Awesome. And then secondly, we have received accounts of, of, of children that are running around in the parking after we finish the service. And, you know, after the anointing has been flowing, you know, sometimes people are not focusing so much on the driving. We want to encourage you to please just pay attention. There might be children driving around or running around over there. And if you're a parent, please make sure your children are not playing in the drive-through while we're busy constructing and building. Amen? And if you are a concerned member of this church and you're outside and you see a child there, please go out and get them, bring them in. Amen? We want to make sure that we're protecting the children. Awesome. So this morning, we are starting with a wonderful new series. We started in the first service, and it's going to have four segments all about romantic relationships. And uh, the first segment today is on marriage. Next week, we're going to do uh, inner relationships. So for those of you who are involved in a relationship with the intent of getting married, that will be focused on how you do with the importance and the principles and what not to do when you're in a relationship. The third one is about singleness. Is singleness a blessing or a curse? Because many people feel like, you know, something's wrong with them. They're deficient because they're single. And then the last one is it's complicated. So we'll wait for you to come to church and hear what that is all about. I don't want to complicate the issue any further. Awesome. Now, marriage, marriage is the cornerstone of our society. The way that we do marriage will show how our society will reflect down the line. And we sometimes look at the issues of our society in terms of children. And the issue of children has to do with the parents, not with the government, not with the teacher. It's an issue of the parents. 
And the issue of the parents is an issue between mom and dad. And the issue between mom and dad is an issue between mom and God and dad and God. So the way that we do family will determine what the result is in our society. Show me your society and I'll tell you where your families are. Show me your community and I'll tell you where your families are. And show me your families and I'll tell you where your marriages are. Amen? Now this morning I must give you a heads up because you will be offended. Amen? Tell your neighbor, put on your seatbelt. You know why? Because we're dealing now with a generation that has called things that are right wrong and things that are wrong right. Four or five generations ago, there were certain things which we considered abominations on a social level. And now, these things are just acceptable. Not only acceptable, they are fashionable. Even as a believer, you feel out. You know, I feel out, you know, excluded from these things. And we must realize that the implications are severe. If we neglect the word of God, it's only a matter of time before we end up on the road to destruction. And if we are believers and, and people of God and we are not following the word of God and we're following the trend of society, we will be on our way to destruction with the soundtrack of praise and worship in the background. Ah, yes, pray on the way to destruction. Now this morning we are dealing with marriage. And the thing about marriage is that marriage is God's creation. Marriage is God's design. It is not just a symptom of our sophisticated evolutionary progression. It is not because now we've got Roman law and we've got Greek law and we've got English law and therefore we've got all these constructs that are able to give us marriage. No, marriage started in God's mind and God had the idea concerning marriage because his intent was generational. It wasn't just about the couple, it was about the children and the children's children that came from those marriages. And I'm sorry this morning, if you're in a position where you've endorsed this belief in our communities and societies, that children out of wedlock is acceptable. It is what is causing many issues in our society. And where does that start? It starts not with the child. It starts with the man and the woman. And their understanding about what God requires and their understanding concerning marriage. Ah, it's just a piece of paper. It's just a piece of paper. We, can, we are married actually. The angels were there when we first got together. God sees everything. We are married. That is incorrect. And we will always get the consequences of our decisions. And I'm telling you today, church, that if you refuse, if you refuse God's word and God's standard, there is a day when you must answer. You can say, now I don't care. I'm going to do what my, my, my heart desires, what my body desires. Go ahead. But don't think that there will not be a day of account. We have a society where fathers are absent from the home. We have men that don't commit to women. We have women that are willing to have a baby with a man who will not commit to her. So that by adventure, maybe he will be manipulated into marrying me because there's a baby on the way. Wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. And many people have this idea that it's okay to live together. 
We are not having children, but we are living together. Why? Because we are, we are getting to know one another. Where is that in the word of God? And then they call themselves Christians. They have not even got a conscience about it. And many times we are born, when we are born, we are born innocent. Right and wrong is written on the tablet of your heart. But throughout your life, what happens is you come across decisions that you have to make. And if you go with what is wrong, then what you, be, what you begin to do is the, the, the siren, the alarm that is on your conscience that says there is smoke here. That means there's fire. Something needs to be done. That alarm gets broken. Quack! This alarm is disturbing me. The day when fire comes, you'll be burnt in your bed. The alarm was there for your own preservation, your own protection, not to keep you from pleasure, but so that whatever grace God has given you will be fully experienced. But we don't care. Where is this God? In fact, the issue starts also with this evolution lie. Why? Because if I'm just an evolved primate, a monkey with glasses, a suited primate, a chimpanzee speaks languages. If that's all I am, then surely when my animal urges, my sexual urges begin to, to, to come forth and I'm on heat, then I must find my partner, we mate, and then I leave her. You want people to believe they evolved from monkeys but you don't want them to leave their children. You don't want them to have a morality of a beast. And so we must realize that we did not come from beasts, we don't, did not come from monkeys, we came from God. Now this is the thing. If you're in a situation where you've transgressed and you're sitting with the consequences, whether it is that you're living with your boyfriend out of wedlock or you've got a child out of wedlock or whatnot, God's grace is sufficient. God's mercy is sufficient. He loves you nonetheless. He's committed to you. All of that is there. But please don't take it as an endorsement from God when he forgives you for the sin that you've created. And now you think that the forgiveness means continue to do it. Imagine the husband is cheating on the wife. And then the wife forgives the guy. And he goes out and commits it again. And what she says, but what are you doing? No, you forgave me, Moss. I thought you forgave me. Forgive me now. Forgive me, really, so that I can go and do what I want. And many people treat God like that. They think because he's a forgiving God. Because he's a merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in love. He gave his son for your sins. Now, therefore, that's the very endorsement that you think, oh, so then it's fine for me to fatim and nechasach. And to offend the holy God. You, you will realize who he is. It says there is no fear of God before them. Their bellies are their gods. They do only what they desire. They are lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. These are the last days. And so it is critical that the definition of family must be God's definition. The definition of marriage must be God's definition. There's so many people nowadays who are trying to redefine what a marriage is. And we will see now from the scripture the issue with that. The thing with marriage is design. And if you fault on design, what you have is abuse or perversion. It would be like you need to nail something into the wall. Oh, I need to nail something. I don't have a hammer. Please give me your iPhone. Ta, 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 ta. It's in. But the result is a damaged phone. A result of a violation of God's design of marriage and society is a damaged society. Come with all your PhDs and explain to us how there's more progressive ways to do marriage. We don't want to hear it because the children out of those marriages will testify against you. Can I please have a mom who is a woman and can I please have a dad who is a man? Is this what I have written? 
did I wake up this morning and write this? No, this is coming from God's holy word. The same word that you receive for forgiveness of sins is the same word that you must receive when it talks to you about the definition of marriage. If you don't want this one, then don't take salvation. If you don't want this one, then don't take the Savior. But if you want the Savior, take him with all of his requirements. Amen? So let's look here. Focus on the family. Go back quickly. Focus on the family was a ministry that many of us won't know, but the previous generation, so baby boomers, Generation X, born in the 60s, 70s, 80s. You would have heard James Dobson on the radio. Dr. James Dobson. Focus on the family. It was a ministry, and it said in the United States of America, he was the top voice in the 80s. Top evangelical voice among the Christian community. Not because he was a pastor, but because he was a Christian counselor, psychologist, that brought the word of God and said, we need to focus on the family. If we can focus on the family, our social issues that we are facing now, the kind of children that come into the classroom, the kind of people that get into the bank, and work and steal money. The kind of politician, he, he was raised by somebody to be corrupt like that. Show. Train up a child in the way that he must go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. But who is training him? Let the teachers do it. Then give us a stick to beat this child. Give us authority to discipline them. Tell your neighbor, don't be offended. The Lord loves you. Right. So now, let's go here. Number one, marriage is God's design. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. It says, then the Lord God said, and this is important. In Genesis, you will find it's the book of the beginnings. When you want to find out God's intention, it will come from Genesis. So many people are trying to redefine marriage and say, no, but it's not in the New Testament, blah, 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 blah. No, but... The principle is go to the beginning to find the intention. Because if you don't have intention, you don't understand design. If you don't understand design, you will abuse it. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that a man should be alone. Of all the things that God created every day on day one, he created the lights. And then he said, it was good. The morning, evening, it was good. Day two, he creates and then at the end he said, it's good. Day three, it's good. On the day he created mankind, he said, it's very good. Very good. And then here, it said, it is not good. If you ever thought, is there anything that God thought to himself, this situation is not good. It's this. It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, this is the strange part, but for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. Among whom? Among the animals. We've read this passage many times and you didn't see that the first, the first test was for Adam to realize, look, let me already put them before you so that you can see that these are not for you. I'm telling you, just go a little bit east. There are people marrying their pets today. Now we love each other. We have realized that now we belong together. <laughs> they love each other and they're getting married. Some people are marrying dolls. And I understand that one. Because sometimes wives can, can be tough. <laughs> so you'd rather have a statue of liberty, you know. But it's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. Marriage takes work. You'd rather have a statue of liberty. And so, God brings the animals so that he will see what he will name them. Okay? Naming covering. Remember when you named your children. Okay? And then he says, 
there was not found a helper fit for him. Design. If you don't want to go with the principle that God is saying it and do it because he said so, go with design. Now, it is so important that we realize that there is a drive towards different kinds of marriage. It's even in the pulpit now and it's homosexual marriage. Homosexual marriage is never God's design because the, the parts do not work. It's not because God is against it. He calls it an abomination. An abomination is something that should not be. It's a monstrosity. And the designer is saying that. It would be like the designer of the Apple phone. Finding you washing your clothes as a soap with that thing. And going like, what are you doing? In the same way, God designed them. Male and female. The parts are not there just for attraction and, 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 and appearance. They are functional. When you go to homosexual marriage, the parts do not work. It is telling you. It is a violation of design. God loves you, but you are violating the design. There is no science that can counter that. But we have gone so far in our society to call right wrong and wrong right that light is dark and dark is light. Man is woman and woman is a man. We have corrupted ourselves. We are created in the image of God. It says, what is man? David said, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You listen to his prayers. You made him lower than the angels. You made him a little lower than the angels, and yet you crown him with loving kindness and glory. Why? You are not a primate, sophisticated monkey. You are made in the image of God. Because of your value, God will say, this is not for you. Because of your value. And now we are afraid to say it. I've been, I've been following the trend in the United States of America. You become famous if you can just say a man is a woman. I mean, a man is a man and a woman is a woman. You become famous all around the world. All around the world. It is that profound today. Seriously. And I understand there's gender fluidity and all of that. But the, 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 the mutations are not to be normative. No one will say, I designed this phone to work like this. And then, when there's a malfunction, you say, no, that's, that's another type of the phone. No, it's not. And do you know why there are these kind of malfunctions and deformities in the earth? Because of Adam and Eve's sin. The earth is corrupted. It is not according to God's plan. But just because things are going wrong, in the genetic pool of mankind, doesn't mean we now need to normalize what is right and wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you haven't heard it somewhere else, you'll hear it here today. And then it says, So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. This is true story. It's not an allegory. It's not a metaphor. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. He recognized and detected this compatibility here. It wasn't just, I love this animal seriously, Lord. Endorse my marriage to it. Love has nothing to do with it. Before there can be love, there must be truth. Without truth, there is no love. Before there can be love, there must be truth. So don't tell me, ah, do you love me? Yes, I love you. You don't even know me. Because once you realize the truth, you'll say, um, uh, with the love of the Lord. <laughs> hmm. And I must say, ladies, you are here today. 
many of you are influenced by feminism. Hey, let me have some anointed water. You might say, uh-uh, no, I don't believe in, in feminism. Uh-uh. It's in the system. It's in the system. What happened is First World War, Second World War, the men in the United States went to war. The woman stayed at home, and they had to take care of the children and make the weapons and be the accountants and be the professionals. And so they had to put to work. Once they realized, but we can do this even better than those guys. <laughs> when they realized, then they are oppressing us. And definitely, the, that was the good part in terms of showing the value of a woman. Because this is the thing. They are very capable. Sometimes more capable than the guy. I mean, the Lord said, I will make him a helper. How do you ask someone who is weaker than you for help? Yeah? When you ask for help and you are going to pick up something heavy, Setson, you know, I will look at you and say, yeah, Setson has muscles. Setson, can you please help me pick up? I will not ask a small one with small scrawny muscles who is still developing, right? So woman, as the helper, they are the strength that is added to the man. Do you understand? And that is a truth. And some of you later on will read about how they are the weaker vessel. That word weaker, I tried to go and find the other meanings. All the Greek words say real weak. <laughs> I tried because I knew I was going to offend some feminine, I mean woman. And so, then I thought, let me see what it actually, it actually means frail. That means they didn't come into the marriage to pick up heavy things. Otherwise, they would come butch <laughs> with muscles. And if you are that kind of wife, thank you, because you are helping him in more than ways than the other, <laughs> than the other wife. But women are frail because they didn't come to help you pick up your heavy things. They came to give you certain delicate help. Delicate help that you brutish man doesn't have. And he made you someone complimentary to her. Not so that you can exert your force on her, so that you can take the benefit of what she is bringing to your partnership. Do you understand? And this is why the whole feministic drive, anti-men, men are dogs, blah, 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 blah. If you read your Bible, especially these passages, and it makes you like, why, why is God against women? It's feminism that got in there. Give us the next one before. <laughs> it says, therefore, for this reason, a man shall now leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. The only place where in marriage where there can be no shame. Don't try and say, no, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed anymore. Shame has been broken of me. No, shame is good. If you are killing people all around, shame is good. It is an emotion that makes you feel that what I'm doing is not right. But you don't make it your identity. You recognize it and then you do what is honorable. It says they were naked and they were not ashamed. This is for marriage. And some people are saying, no, but we are married. You know, we live together. 45 years we've been living together. We'll get there. And Jesus also said, the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? These are the religious lawyers. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. This is Jesus talking in the New Testament, paraphrasing the past. And then he says, what therefore God has joined together. Let not men separate. Today it's fashionable to get divorced. 
Who's the guy? Brad Pitt. He is now with who? Charlize. Charlize Tron. Oh, okay, you guys are not in touch. <laughs> How can you intercede for the nations if you don't know what the nations <laughs> Anyway. Anyway. So, what God has put together, let not men separate. It might be fashionable. No, we, we don't. There are incompatibilities. We don't see eye to eye anymore. Let's just get divorced. Number two. So, one, God, uh, God designed marriage. If you want to know what marriage is, don't let them redefine you and say, no, it can be two people who love each other and are committed. No, they must be defined as a man and a woman. And then there must be vows. It's not commitment. Vows. Okay, number two. Marriage is an earthly institution. Especially for those of you who are listening and you are single and you are thinking, wow, you know. Marriage is surely the summit. The fulfillment of all things on our planet, on all other planets, in the stars, in the heavens, everywhere. Under the earth, everywhere. No. Marriage is only an earthly institution. So you can be okay, you know. It limits you until death. All right? So now, this is what happened. These religious lawyers came to Jesus and they asked, a woman who lost her husband, according to our law, there are duties of the family, the siblings, the brothers, towards this woman because if she didn't have a child with a husband. So therefore, if that woman loses her husband and there's no child, the brother must marry that woman and have children. And then the scenario they put is, they try to have children, but then nothing. That also died. No children. Other brother married. No children. Died. 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 You would have thought that by now the brothers are like, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe this auntie needs, <laughs> needs a victory weekend, you know. How can we just all die? It's like a sure thing. Anyway, so they all died, and then this is what the Pharisees said. This is in Matthew 22, verse 28. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven? Since all of them were married to her. And Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scripture or the power of God. It doesn't matter. You can be a scientist. If you don't know the scripture or the power of God, you are in error. You can be a teacher. You can be all sorts of things. You can be an athlete, whatever your accolade is. If you don't know the scripture or the power of God, you are in error. And he says in verse 30, at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Because sometimes in marriage, people are feeling like, no man. You know, you and me, we will be together forevermore. They see themselves in heaven. Walking together, holding hands, saying, after Jesus, you are my one and only. <laughs> there is no such thing in heaven. Amen? Marriage is up till death do us part. So just to normalize it. So that this hype is not like, oh, it's an eternal. Okay? And Romans 7 speaks about how the law of marriage binds a woman until death and then she can remarry. If that husband is still alive, it's adultery. Same with 1 Corinthians. So now the third one. Now that you know that marriage is temporary, some people are tempted to say, oh, well, if it's an earthly thing, I'm busy with heavenly things. I'll desert my family because I'm busy with prayer and fasting and all sorts of things. Mm -mm. Number three, God cares about your marriage. He attends weddings. You remember the first miracle of Jesus was at a wedding? Okay, that's symbolic. But more than that, let's read here. Malachi chapter 2, verse 13. And this, this is another thing you do. You drown the Lord's altar with tears and weeping and wailing because he no longer accepts the offerings you bring him. You ask why he no longer accepts them. It is because he knows you have broken your promise to the wife you married when you were young. She was your partner and you have broken your promise to her. Although you promised before God that you would be faithful to her. 
Didn't God make you one body and one spirit with her? What was his purpose in this? It was that you should have children who are truly God's people. You see there? God's purpose in marriage is not just for your lovey-dovey experience. He's putting together an environment where children can be raised, where society can be built, who are going to honor God. But the result, what we have made, is we have made it about me. And then he says, it was so that you should have children who are truly God's people, so make sure that none of you breaks his promise to his wife. I hate divorce, says the Lord. I hate divorce. Once again, just because God forgave you, and because he's merciful because of your transgression, it doesn't mean that he is endorsing it. Many are taking that for granted. They think that because God is merciful, that means do it more. And this is what Paul was accused of. He said, they say that we are preaching that we should sin more so that grace may abound. For where grace abounds, sin abounds even more. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Therefore, let's sin more so that grace may abound. Corrupt society. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. I hate it when one of you does such a cruel thing to his wife or husband. Make sure that you do not break your promise to, to be faithful to your wife. And so it's really critical for those of you who are single. You are like, Lord, I can't wait to cleave to my wife. To cleave. <laughs> no, no. Before you can cleave, there are vows. Are you ready to drink the cup of vows? Unconditional love, great patience, great forgiveness, great endurance, great perseverance, great joy. It is critical that you count the cost. People today, it's like, the, the movies are being played out there. I have to say this again. Fornication is a sin. Please tell your neighbor, fornication is a sin. And for those of you who don't know that old word, it means sleeping with someone out of wedlock. Let me not say sleeping. Having sex with someone out of wedlock is a sin. Was that unclear? Let me just say it again in other words. So, if you meet someone and you are dating, you are not married, you don't have a ring, saying you'll be with me till death do us part. And you are saying, no, I must first see if she's fertile. It's a sin. No, I must first see if, if she excites me, you know. Because who wants to be married in a situation where, you know, sex is, is like dry and unexciting. Don't marry such an evil man. such a wicked, wicked, wicked man. And yet the girls will say, yeah, but he's the only one available. Yeah. Help us, Lord. You have more value than that, ladies. You have more value than that. Jesus died for you. If the Son of God was sacrificed for your value, don't let some other uh, maverick Take advantage of it. And also for the girls, because now again, now in this generation, the girls have no principle. Sorry. <laughs> hey, this thing is not working, so. Please. Please. There was a day, there was a day when it was tough for a guy to get into a girl's pants. First Peter 3 verse 7, likewise, now that you think, no, marriage is an earthly thing. It's an earthly thing. God is not involved. First Peter 3 verse 7, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. That word understanding there is not general understanding. Yeah, women are like this. Women are like this. Mm -mm. It's specific understanding. 
live with your wife in a specific knowledge of her. What does she know? What does she like? What, live with that knowledge. Ne? Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. I told you already that word weaker. I tried to find the best definition. It says weak, frail. Okay? But we already established that it's because you didn't come to pick up bags as much as some women are powerful. Okay? Since they are what? Heirs with you of the grace and favor of life. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Hey. Some of the men here are saying, yeah, man. I fasted 21 days. I've been praying, 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 praying. The things are not coming. It's your fault, you. No, it's not your wife's fault. It's your fault. Live with her with understanding. We don't have much time to go into this, but this is why God will give you insight into your spouse. Insight. You begin to understand them, and understanding brings compassion, brings patience. It, it brings so many things. All right, we need to rush. The next one, marriage is to be honored. This is Hebrews 13 verse 4. Marriage is to be honored by all. There are people, they target people when they get married. They didn't want that person while they were single. They were not attractive or something. But then they married. Now they are dressing nice, you know. They are talking with a more mature tone or what, sophistication. Now it's like, huh, okay. <laughs> and they zoom in for the one who has a ring. Especially the ladies. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And it must not be so. Marriage must be honored by all. And husbands and wives must be faithful to each other. God will judge those who are immoral and those who commit adultery. It's his place. He's the judge of all flesh. Everyone answers to him. You can say, yeah, but how can God judge me? Shh. You have nothing to say before the creator. Nothing, 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 nothing. You must say, isn't that harsh? Ask Job. He said, I will now ask God questions. Let God come and explain to me I'm a right man. What is this sickness? Why are my kids dead? Why are my things taken? Why are my animals? Everything is burnt up. And then God said, who is this who darkens counsel? With words without wisdom. Were you there when I put the stars in place? Were you there when I brought light out of darkness? Were you there? Do you know what Leviathan is? He asked him question after question after question. And Job said, I abhor myself. I hate myself. Because how I've touched the glory of someone that I cannot attain to. In marriage, don't disturb marriages, please. If you have an issue with that, come speak to us. We'll help you. Because some people have an issue with that. And then, number four, marriage is a myth. This is an important one. And we'll look here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29. It says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man, you see, here's the quotation again. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So what he's saying here is that marriage is actually a parable on the earth. It is as if the earth is the stage. God is the director. And the husband is the actor playing out the part of Christ. And the wife is the actress playing out the part of the church. You have no option in how you play the part in the, in the, in the, in the play or in the movie of the producer. Come, come, say, uh, uh, this scene is not working so well for me. Can we just tweak? Uh-uh. If you don't want out. If you don't want to follow God's principle for marriage, don't get married. Yeah, but I want to have sex. Okay, then let's talk. If you want to have sex and you are burning with passion, 
then come to the word of God. The word of God will tell you how to prepare. Then you can get married and then you can enjoy sex which was designed by God. Hallelujah. It's a very blessed thing. It is a glue. Just another heads up. If you are in a relationship and you are having sex with that person, you are not thinking straight. It, sex is designed like that. You must not think straight. After you have sex, if you are fighting before, now you are not thinking straight. You just love the person and you are all in good. It takes two days or a day to cool off and realize, yeah, but we were angry at each other. God designed it like that so that there's a reset button in the relationship. Every two to three days or so. <laughs> right? Often, often, reset button. So that you are continuously in a state of deception. <laughs> That's why they say love is blind. Because when you are involved with sexually, it's just saying, wow, this is a wonderful person. You don't see all the situations. That's why when you are in a relationship, you are not married to the guy yet. You want to get out, but you have started having sex. You are stuck. Yeah, I will leave him next week. <laughs> Tonight he will be at your house. Hello, <laughs> how are you? Can we just pray together? I've been going through a situation, you know. Can we just pray about a certain issue, you know? Because it says we're two or three gather. <laughs> Okay, so you start praying about the situation. One thing leads to another, and then the breakup is postponed. <laughs> Guys, if you want to see the girl for who she is, don't sleep with her. And some girls, hey, hey, hey. They know this secret. So as soon as they can get the guy in, and they've been watching all the YouTube videos to get the skills and whatever, how to, how to, how to, how to, so that the guy is deceived into the thing. Then, now, as soon as she can get him in, sex first. If he can have sex, if she can have sex with him and tie him that way, but if he's still wondering, uh, put in a baby. Now the deal is sealed. If two, possibly two, Put in as many babies as possible so you can entangle the guy in your web. Oh, black widow. <laughs> and once she's got you there, especially if you're a good guy, watch out, you good guy. Am I being too direct today, Elder, Elder Nelson? I don't have much time, you know, usually these things are much slower, over 45 days. We only have 45 minutes. So I'm just pouring it out like the, like the waterfalls of the Lord. It says here, number 30, because we are members of his body, therefore a man will leave. This is the mystery. We're playing out Christ and his bride. This is what marriage is. So that people can come to your house and say, there's a God. Look at this. What personality are you? No, I'm sanguine. What personality? Oh, no, melancholic. You guys don't belong together. What's your star sign? No, I'm what, what? What's your star sign? Ah, you guys don't belong together. Why is it working? Christ and his bride. When Christ came, we did not deserve his love. He loved us with an unconditional love, with a love that is not deserved. Number five, and as we conclude, only in marriage do you find all four loves. Now, when you read the New Testament, in English, it will just say love. So and so loved, what, 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 uh, love, for God loves the world. It will just, in English, there's just one word, love. I love my chicken, you know, because it's got Nando's in. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my V6. I love my cow. It's all love, 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 love. But in Greek, there are four words. First one is agape. Agape is the God kind of love. It's sacrificial. If you are sleeping together, living together, and you are not married, your, your, your relationship does not have agape. Because agape is sacrifice. In order to sacrifice, you can live together and all of that and say, no, we are married in the spirit. We are married in the spirit. You are not married in the spirit because marriage requires this for, and agape is not there. You are not sacrificing yourself for the sake of your spouse. It's God's kind of love. It's been shed abroad in our hearts. Number two is eros. 
Eros is erotic love. It's sexual love. It belongs in marriage. If you are married and, and you are not giving your spouse erotic love, you are, you are in rebellion to God's word. Let me say that again. If you are married and you are not ministering to your spouse erotic love, you are in rebellion to God's word. In fact, the Apostle Paul says it this way. The body of the husband does not belong to the husband, neither does the body of the spouse of the wife belong to the wife. Do not deny one another, but let each one render to the other what is due. No, but, you know, he, he didn't talk to me nicely and what, 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 what. It's not about that. This is not a prostitution contract. I give you, then you give me. No, it's not like that. I made a vow at the altar before God and his people. I will love you. It's a promise. Then number four, number three, phileo. This is friendship love. Phileo, it's like Philadelphia. Brotherly friendship love, close, close. This is also in marriage. There's a friendship. And then the last one, storge, which is like a familial love between a, a mother and the children and, and father and mom and brother and sister. This is the love. Now, the friend zone, the friend zone is here, <laughs> phileo, with a little bit of agape. So when, when you're asking that person that you want to be with, but you're in the friend zone, and you ask them, do you love me? They will say, yes, I love you so much. What you must ask is, in Greek, <laughs> which, which love in Greek do you love me? so that they can qualify it. Because in a romantic love, there must be this erotic attraction. Okay? It can't just be, I love you with the love of the Lord, and you are my brother, and you, I'm your sister, and we are just hanging out all the time. Mm -mm. Make friendships with guys. Okay. All right. Yeah, if you are a guy, make friendships with guys, and stop hanging out with those girls. Give it to the next one. <laughs> Okay, so agape is the covenant love. If you are living together, sleeping together, your, mar your marriage, karma marriage, doesn't have this love. You must, must get married. If, especially if you've already got children and it's just going on. What you don't have, because marriage has two parts. Marriage has vows and consummation. What you have is the consummation. Consummation is the sex, the glue. The becoming one flesh. But marriage has a part that you don't have, which is vows. Vows before God. The vows are the things that make it a marriage together consummated with the blood. That makes the covenant. So bring you, come to the pastoral uh, um, team and come and meet and say, we have been living together 45 years or three years or whatever. We, we should have gotten married, but because of our culture, you can't just get married like this. You must have a wedding here. You must have a wedding in the north. You must have a wedding in Swakop. You must have a wedding in Cape Town. And then you must have a wedding in Israel. And we cannot afford it right now. So we are just living together in sin so that by the time we save up, then we can marry. Wrong. That woman is worth much more. Those children that are coming from that marriage are worth, worth your vows. They are worth your commitments. They are worth you saying, till death do us part, I will never leave you. These are the vows that we make usually at the weddings. I take you, I take you <laughs> to be my wife, to be my wife or husband. To heaven, to hope, this is where they start crying. To <laughs> from this day forward, from this day forward, for better or worse, for better or worse, for richer or for richer. Oh, poor. <laughs> in sickness and in health, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, to love and to cherish, till death do us part. <laughs> Many people lie on that day. They lie. They just lie. They just lie. Someone should stand up and say, stop lying, man. Stop lying. 
Because the day will come when deadline for richer or poorer. You will have to answer that one. The day will come, man, for sickness and health. When she's not feeling well and you're like, no, but it's day four now. It's day four. The Bible says we mustn't be apart like this sexually for a long time. It's day four. In sickness and in health. So what you must do, love and cherish and handle your pockets. Amen. I'm telling you, we have sold out the glory of marriage for some cheap imitation that gives us all sorts of dysfunctions in our society, broken hearts and depression, suicides and gender-based violence. It said in the other scripture, husbands love your wife, wives respect your husband. And because of the feminism, I must say this, wives respect your husband. When you don't respect a man, you become his enemy. It's designed. It's designed. Live with him in understanding. If you don't respect him, you become his enemy. He might be a good guy, so he will not hit you. He will not do anything. He will continue. But his heart is resenting you. His heart is resenting you. So what must you do? Choose. Do you want to be his enemy? Or do you want to be his lover? You can't be both. So what you do is you always take the place. Why? Because as his lover, he protects. Men protect those who are his. But those who oppose him like this, is the enemy. He will enjoy you one week, two weeks, three weeks. Then the devil will send another sister. A very respectful sister. <laughs> you know? All of a sudden, the guy notices something that he doesn't see at home. He must still fulfill his vows, but you have allowed the enemy to, spoil, to spill poison in the water. Amen? If you are sitting next to a lady, say, respect your husband. And if you are not married one day, learn it now. Learn it now. <laughs> Amen? So tonight we'll be sharing some more on marriage at our evening service. And I really want to encourage us. This is not a game. It's not a movie. Real children are on the street because this thing is not working. All right? Men and women are devastated because this thing is not working. And it's not because, no, we are more sophisticated, we are more empowered. It's not because of that. It's because we have forsaken the ways of God. We thought, no, we are wiser than God himself. Amen? Let us stand. Right where you are, if you heard something this morning, and you should be repenting about that and saying, Lord, yo, I used to think so wrong in this area. Let's begin to say to the Lord, Lord, change my mind, change my heart. If you're married and you've allowed bitterness and unforgiveness in your marriage because you, you're not allowing covenant, real covenant, agape, unconditional love, you need to repent this morning. If you are here, you're sleeping together with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you, you, you're trying to find a loophole in the scripture, Repent before it's too late, before something goes wrong. If you hear and you hate marriage because it symbolizes everything that oppresses women and all of that, repent. That's not God's design. You've got some other perversion that you saw somewhere. It's not God's plan. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we declare this morning healing in the hearts of your people, healing in marriages. Father, we pray, Lord, that the truth will set people free, that they cannot be loved without truth, Lord. We pray, Lord, that your truth will begin to be elevated, that men and women in this church will not take nonsense when it comes to marriage, Lord, that they will not listen to all sorts of PhDs and all sorts of progressive understandings that are wiser than God himself. 
And so, Father, we pray this morning in the name of Jesus that you give us grace for repentance. That there will really be a change in our lives, Lord. Not just sadness or tears, but real change, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray a blessing, Lord, over those who have children out of wedlock, Lord. Who have maybe made a, a mistake in the past, Lord. We pray a blessing over those children. We pray a blessing over those, those mothers, those fathers, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that when they realized what was right, they corrected their hearts, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord, that you are able to bring, you are able to bring even good out of a terrible situation. So we declare, we declare that this morning, Lord, over your people in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people shout amen. 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 Lift your hands for the blessing. May the Lord bless you. May cause your eyes to be spiritually open. May you be high alert in these last days. May you be protected. May you prosper even in the time of famine and drought. May your children be blessed. And may you be preserved from sin. In Jesus' name, amen.